0: Now, fight back with Libby Snymer on Zuba Radio with guest host Jane Brown.
1: Do you feel safe as a pedestrian in Toronto? Have you noticed any improvements in road safety since the City of Toronto Vision Zero plan was announced last summer? Your calls are welcome this half hour, 416-360-0740 or 1-866-740-4740, toll free. We also have a couple of experts joining the show today. Toronto Police Constable Clint Stibby is on the line. Constable Stibby, hi, how are you?
2: Good, thank you. How
1: are you? Good. And in studio with me arrive a live program director, Michael Stewart. Thanks for coming in, Michael.
3: Hi, thank you for having me.
1: Let's first talk with Constable Stibby about the numbers. Last year, we saw the highest number of traffic fatalities in Toronto yet at 77. 43 of those pedestrians and most of those pedestrian fatalities were people 55 and over. How are we looking so far this year, Constable?
2: Well, when we look at the uh, 55 year age group and older, uh, we've seen so far seven or sorry, six uh, traffic fatalities uh, attributed to that specific age group. So uh, when we look at our total number of fatalities, we've so far had 20 fatalities this year. Um, obviously, uh, it, any fatalities is bad, uh, but the reality is the most vulnerable road using group still continues to be the one that we're seeing most often killed on city streets.
1: Can you say that there is a slight improvement at the very least or are we not seeing much of a difference uh, since the program was announced last summer?
2: Well, you know what, that's, it's interesting. Um, a lot of people don't recognize what Vision Zero is. Vision Zero, the goal is to have zero traffic fatalities. But one thing that we need to keep in mind is when we look at our collisions on a year-over-year basis, even when we look at the uh, up to the end of April, Uh, We saw 21,437 collisions in those four months. Those numbers are terribly high. Mm -hmm. And even though it is, uh, when we look at a percentage change from 2016 uh, to 2017, we've seen about a 2% increase. So we're seeing more collisions. Okay, we've seen less fatalities, but the reality is any one of those collisions actually could have resulted in a fatality. Uh, and what I want to maybe give an example of, we've had a situation where uh, a car at a very low speed has uh, bumped into a person, the person falls to the ground, strikes their head on the pavement, and actually dies as a result of that contact. So everybody thinks that it's got to be a speed-related issue, or maybe somebody um, not being something at an intersection or whatnot. The reality is, if the circumstances permit it, uh, and unfortunately, in some cases, your health as well, uh, is perhaps compromised... Even a very, very small collision, which would not normally result in a fatality, can become a fatality.
1: And so that's we why we have uh, a higher proportion of people 55 and older who, who will die in pedestrian-related accidents because they, particularly much older even than 55, is that they won't recover from their injuries in the same way that a young person would.
2: Exactly. I mean, I, we've seen uh, a lady in her 20s was hit by a car and she suffered catastrophic injuries. She survived. I mean, the, re- the reality is with as grave injuries as she had, thankfully, her body was able to start healing and recuperate from it. But the reality is, if you're older, a, a, a collision or a, a, a that type of injury, even if it's and we'll say I'll give an example of a broken hip, a broken hip for somebody 65, 70 years of age is really the equivalent of what would be multiple injuries for maybe a younger person. So we need to keep in mind that the challenge we have is our ability to heal as we get older is diminished, uh, but at the same time, we're more susceptible to the initial injury. We're not able to react as fast, You know, per- per- perhaps protect our head before we go down, uh, perhaps our bones are weak. I mean, there's so many different things that can occur. But we need to keep in mind that Vision Zero, it is a city-driven program, but it is focusing on certain age groups uh, in order to help make it safer, but when we look at the types of programs that are being looked at, uh, some of the measures that the city uh, has proposed is um, creating the senior safety zones, uh, installing red light cameras, uh, conducting road safety audits at uh, 14 locations deemed to be high risk, lowering speed limits, um, increasing pedestrian walk times at uh, intersections and expanding school uh, watch-your-speed programs. What's interesting, and uh, we can even just talk about the the school program, it's not very often that we will see a child killed in the city of Toronto. I think over the last three years, uh, we've seen I believe three uh, over the last couple of years. That's terrible when we think about the the loss of a child, but not all of them, uh, or very few of them, were in relation to speed. Uh, Some of them were a pedestrian error, some were um, other circumstances that led to the the death. So speed is a factor when we look at collisions, but in some cases the size of the individual, even if there's very low speed, the injuries can be quite substantial. So dropping speed will obviously make it safer, uh, but at the same time the driver has to be aware of what's happening around them. That would include somebody that may be stepping off a curb, uh, perhaps walking in front of a vehicle, and quite often, uh, if we look at trucks, children and even adults, uh, in some cases, when walking in front of in front of a truck cannot be seen. So again, this boils down to drivers paying attention. I mean, we can have all the the initiatives in place. We can help reduce the numbers, but th- we need the assistance of the community to be aware of what's happening around them. The drivers to pay attention to all the rules, to not be distracted by cell phones or uh, something inside the vehicle that could take their attention away. Because when we look at the number of collisions, I think we had just over 7,800 collisions last year where the driver was identified as being inattentive. Um, When we look at that, I mean, those numbers are tremendously high. How they weren't more fatalities is really by miracle because we have a lot of safety technology that's being introduced into vehicles. But that technology that we're beginning to depend on. Is actually making us worse drivers.
1: Well, Constable, Reality. is it is it fair to say, um, and you gave a thumbnail sketch of the enhancements that have been made since this program was put in place last summer, uh, based on what you're saying, and it is an eighty million dollar five five-year safety plan, it doesn't sound like maybe these are the right areas to be spending money in to bring down the number of collisions and ultimately the number of fatalities.
2: No, uh, that's That's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is that is part of it. The reality is uh, anytime we look at um, a silo mentality where the city is going to fix everything, we have to recognize that it has to be done in partnership. and That partnership includes the police services, the Toronto Transportation, the Department for uh, looking at the road designs, uh, initiatives from the City of Toronto. But at the same time, we need the community to adopt change. When we look at our uh, mid-block crossings, for for example, the number of mid-block crossings that we've seen for an individual that perhaps uh, had they crossed at a proper location, uh, we've seen four so far this year uh, that have been a fatality as a result of a mid-block crossing situation uh, involving pedestrians. That's almost 50% of our pedestrian fatalities Mm. dealing with an individual that maybe went into traffic when they shouldn't have or crossed in a location that isn't uh, deemed safe. So again, it's, it's a situation where we have individuals who are taking advantage of an opportunity or taking a risk, maybe is a better better way of putting it, taking a risk by taking maybe a shortcut. But in some cases, they're not paying enough attention to what's happening around them. And that shortcut that they take puts them in jeopardy and unfortunately, in some cases, costs them their life.
1: Right. So it's that mutual respect of the rules of the road that's ultimately going to make the difference. I want to get uh, Michael Stewart's take on road safety and improvements that have been made and goals that have been set. Michael Stewart is the Arrive Alive program director in studio here with me. Uh, First of all, Michael, tell us about your organization and how you're contributing to improving road safety in the
3: city. So Live Drive Sober, we've been around for, it's our 29th year this year, which is pretty impressive for a charity. And we continue to promote awareness about impaired driving. We work a lot with Ministry of Transportation, City of Toronto, Toronto Police as well, OPP, CAA, and a whole bunch of other partners to try and raise awareness about the dangers of impaired driving, both by alcohol and drugs. We are on social media. We do PSAs for radio, video And we share resources with schools, community groups, public health units and police services across the country just to get a conversation going and to hopefully save lives on our roads. Well,
1: we certainly see your uh, your PSAs on Mm. television. You're 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 very much an out there organization Mm -hmm. and we're all familiar with Arrive Alive. Uh, There was a road safety summit at City Hall yesterday. You were there. What did you hear that was encouraging and or discouraging?
3: Uh, Well, what was encouraging was something that I brought up while I was there was impaired driving didn't make it to the initial Vision Zero plan, and so I brought that up, and Councillor Jay Robinson, who is spearheading the road strategy, will then work with us, and she's very open to meeting with us to add impaired driving later on in the Vision Zero scope so that we can address it on Toronto's roads. Uh, What was very encouraging about the strategy that I heard yesterday was all the effort that's already been put in place. So a lot of the watch your speed signs that have permanently been placed around school zones, um, a lot of the sidewalk reconstruction, crosswalk reconstruction, bike lane pilot projects on Blur Street, A lot of stuff is being put in to try and reduce fatalities on our roads, and I think the city is doing a great job.
1: And Constable Stibby, I mean, it's only been 10 months since this Vision Zero program was announced and uh, some of the enhancements have been made. Is there a certain amount of time that it takes for people to grasp what's happening and to start to change their ways and their mentality?
2: Uh, on average, it takes uh, somebody that's consciously made an effort to start changing their, quote-unquote, habitual behavior. It takes about a month for that uh, change to become the new norm for that individual. So uh, when we look at the Vision Zero uh, project, it is something that is changing. There are changes, like uh, we mentioned, the signs that have gone up and areas that have been now identified as uh, senior areas. But again, we need the recognition of the driver to make those adjustments. And quite often a driver is oblivious to what's happening around them. Unfortunately, they're only looking as far as the front of their vehicle and not further down the road. I mean, that's part of the reason we look at uh, one of our biggest or most common types of collisions is a rear end collision. Uh, Granted, it doesn't necessarily lead to fatalities, but at the same time, it's a collision that should never have happened. The reality is if somebody actually is paying attention, you're not gonna be involved in a collision at your because of a mistake you made but we need all residents in toronto to be aware of what they're doing when they're doing it and how they're doing it in order to make their commute a safe one because again uh, you know and this is a perfect example a person attempting to cross the street sees a police car coming they step back and now they go down to the crosswalk well if the police officer wasn't there you would have taken that chance to cross the roadway why is it it takes a police officer to be there for you to recognize oh, you know what maybe this isn't a good idea this is where we have to change mentality. And I mean, it also depends on the individual quite often, and I, I say this many times. It takes a near-death experience for a person to change their ways immediately. Uh, I've, ha- I've been struck as a pedestrian, as a cyclist. Uh, I've been involved in collisions in cars. And the reality is I'd cross the street differently than even my wife crosses the street because I'm looking at that driver. I'm looking at what the situation I'm about to get into. I'm essentially planning ahead for what could happen. Where my wife's never been put in that position, and uh, she'd be more likely to say, "Well, I've got the right of way." Yeah, that may be true, but the reality is, quite often, I'll stop her. I'm gonna. I say, "Hey, we're gonna wait here a minute." Sure enough, that car makes that left turn, all of a sudden, screeches to a halt at the edge of the crossover because they didn't see us. So
1: again, yes, right of way means right of way means very little if you've been injured or killed in a traffic collision.
2: Exactly. You may be right, but unfortunately, you might be dead. And this is, where, again, where it boils down to being aware of what's happening around you. You have to be proactive instead of reactive. So in order to be proactive, you have to be looking at all times, be aware of everything that's happening at all times, following the rules as they should be. But quite honestly, everybody just assesses a level of risk to a situation they're about to enter and decide whether or not they're going to accept that risk. Unfortunately, the older we get, the more risk we seem to take. And this is what, unfortunately, is in some cases costing us uh, road users that are dying as a result of
1: collisions. And as is always the case when we talk about pedestrian safety, we've hit a nerve with the listeners. Uh, the lines are filling up 416 3600740 one 740 toll free Do you feel safe as a pedestrian in Toronto? Have you noticed any improvements in road safety and attitudes since the City of Toronto Vision Zero plan was announced last summer? Let's go to Jan in Guelph. You're not from Toronto, but certainly the streets of Guelph, I'm sure, are equally as of a concern to you as a pedestrian and a driver. Go ahead.
4: They are. And if you could just give me maybe one minute to say what I'd like to say.
1: Go ahead, Jan.
4: Every driver should remember that when they sit behind a wheel, they are controlling a lethal weapon. It can injure or kill someone. Therefore, they should pay attention very carefully to their driving. Drunk driving um, limit should be reduced to zero. The marijuana law should not be passed. Uh, both should have, uh, if they're found drunk driving or whatever, with the if the new law is passed, the licences should be revoked forever, and if injury and death is um, involved in a collision, then it should include uh,
1: appropriate imprisonment. Jan, we thank you for your call. That's
4: my how I do
1: it. Well, <laughs> raise the-,
4: the fine so high that nobody would. Think of driving or using their cell phone.
1: And you bring up a good point, uh, which I'll put to Arrival Live's Michael Stewart here in studio with me. What about that? What about changing the rules so there's zero tolerance when it comes to alcohol and drugs?
3: Hey, uh, for our position right now, especially with drugs, is we're neither for nor against the legalization of marijuana. What we want is education in place and we want to make sure there's responsible selling of marijuana to make sure it doesn't get in the hands of underage people, to make sure it isn't sold to... Anyone who seems impaired or anyone who seems impaired is about to be driving.
1: But this isn't so much a legalization issue. It's Mm -hmm. that there should be zero tolerance. Some people are suggesting, including Jan there from Guelph, that if you get behind the wheel of a car and you're operating it, you should not have inhaled any marijuana Mm -hmm. or consumed any marijuana or have had any alcohol. How realistic is that?
3: Uh, for the marijuana, uh, I can't comment to that one, but for alcohol, we Ontario does have the Warn Range, which is 0.05 to 0.08. There are still many penalties that come with that one, so even if people have had just a couple of glasses of wine with dinner and they're out, they could still be within that Warn Range, and there are consequences that come with that. The average impaired driving cost of 0.08 or higher will bring you about $22,500 or more,
1: And how's that? Spell that out for us.
3: uh, So that is legal fees, court fees, administrative sanctions, uh, oh my God, loss of license, ignition interlock, alcohol education. Like the penalties we have for impaired driving are very severe. And I promise you won't like them if you are caught impaired driving. And it's even worse if you were to take someone's life or injure someone. And your insurance itself will just go through the roof.
1: And yet we're still educating people or Mm -hmm. reminding people, because we've been hearing about it for decades, that you should not drink and drive.
3: Mm -hmm. And impaired driving is not a new issue. So it is something that we are constantly trying to be more inventive with our messaging. So on St. Patrick's Day, we did coasters made of wrecked vehicles that were involved in impaired driving collisions, and we put them out at the Emmett Ray Bar in Toronto just to get people thinking about planning ahead. And we do still have to address the issue, and we do still have to remind people. But what's good is a lot of the youth that we talk to and that are surveyed, they know not to drink and drive. But what we've been finding is a lot of them, so say 90% of kids don't want to drink and drive. They know it's wrong. About 80% of those would be like, but driving high is perfectly fine. So it's really we have to change the mindset of the youth and also adults just to remind them that Any form of impairment behind the wheel does put you, your passengers, and others on the road in danger.
1: Let's get back to the phones quickly before we take a break. Paul in Toronto, go ahead. You're on Zoomer Radio.
3: Thank you very much. I'm merely enjoying the program.
1: Good.
5: Uh, I have a couple of comments. One uh, is concerning um, pedestrian safety and pedestrian carelessness and not being pedestrian aware of the danger, the proximity of the danger they face when they're on the sidewalk. Um, i'd like to propose that all major intersections especially subway stop intersections like young and davisville near where i live that there needs to be some sort of a pedestrian only crossing and then north south traffic only and then east west traffic only Um, and they they need to implement those at every major intersection certainly for rush hour uh, opportunities only because otherwise Pedestrians get uh, – or drivers get very frustrated and, and so forth, and there's just nobody makes any time. Um, the next comment I have is about driver training, mm-hmm. and uh, I don't want to take too much time, but I was with a company, and we had to take a manual uh, online program every year, excuse me, an online program on um, advanced driver training skills and defensive driving skills. And it was an excellent program. I thought, I'm an you know, experienced driver. I don't need to take this thing, but it was really smart. It really opened up your eyes to, you know, the hidden dangers when you're driving a car, and it really made me a better driver, a calmer driver, a safer driver, a much more cautious driver.
1: Well, Paul, that's and- an excellent point. I mean. You know, how long has it been for those of us who are Zoomers who took our driver training uh, back when we were teenagers and probably haven't had any refresher courses since? I still remember some of the key parts of my driver training, but Constable Clibby, uh, Stibby, that's that's an excellent point that Paul brings up about refresher courses or uh, reminders for drivers. This is sort of what you're speaking to as well. May I? Yeah,
5: May I? Before oh, Constable Stibby be gets in?
1: Very quickly, sure.
5: Sure. Sorry, so, uh, so, I was just going to so, say something that... Oh, sorry. He wanted to go ahead. A lot of the driver training courses today teach drivers how to pass the test. They don't teach them how to drive. And the other thing is that this sort of uh, advanced or defensive driving program can be, you know, make, make it mandatory every, like, three year, uh, first three years, five years, and then every ten years thereafter, because it, it would be very simple to administer and uh, people would have to take it before they could renew their license.
1: Okay, Constable Stibby, go
2: ahead. So I was going to say that uh, that is something that I've said uh, from the get-go is that uh, we as drivers do nothing to make ourselves better. Uh, the police service, if we identify an individual that has been operating the vehicle poorly, they're sent for retraining. Uh, some corporations will do that where uh, they'll monitor how that person's operating vehicles if they determine that perhaps risky behavior or excessive speed, whatever the case may be, they institute driver training programs for the companies. But it's not widespread. Uh, the reality is, uh, quite honestly, If I were to ask you, when was the last time you took maybe a driver improvement uh, program or skid training or winter driving classes? I'm going to suggest you probably have never have, Mm -hmm. And uh, I don't think uh, many people have, per se. So it is a situation where we have uh, a challenge for the driving public where they've made or developed a lot of bad habits, and those bad habits are leading to fatalities. So, again, your caller says that it would be easy to administer – Okay, we have several hundred thousand uh, drivers. Uh, Currently, I think the backlogs at the driver test centers are several weeks, if not months, uh, along. Plus, you've got uh, to get driving schools. There's not that many around. I mean, the logistics to institute, that would be tremendous. The cost would be tremendous, and who would bear the cost? Uh, I would suggest that the vast majority of drivers think they're pretty good. The reality is the vast majority of drivers are pretty bad at driving.
1: Okay, one and, more quick call, a Constable, here before we move sure. on. And this is a hot topic, so I encourage you to call back with your comments tomorrow on Free For All Friday. Elsa in Toronto, go ahead. You're on Zoomer Radio.
6: I am Libby. Um, it's Jane, but that's okay. <laughs> okay, sorry. Um, yes, I'm calling because uh, I always hear this story about uh, driver education and uh, education about driving w- without drugs or uh, without the influence of uh, alcohol. And yet, has anybody ever done a study to, to find out how many people are actually? listening or going to these education programs to, I think, I think that 90, I I would say, out of all of the drivers that drive while they're drunk, don't even listen to the news. And if they do, it's called selective hearing. They don't even hear anything about driving under the influence of alcohol. And then they keep on... Uh, going straight from work into the bars, and they're drinking, and of course they're going to dr- get drunk when they're uh, later on uh, going home around nine or ten o'clock.
1: Okay, Elsa, I got to let you go, but I want Michael to comment.
3: Right. Uh, well, thank you uh, so much for your comments. There. Uh, what I would suggest for that is there are still so many people who do decide to drink and drive, and it is a choice. Uh, no one accidentally. Uh, gets behind the wheel while intoxicated. Uh, Something that you can do and your friends can do, if you are seeing someone out at a bar and they're drinking too much and you know they're impaired and you see them about to get behind the wheel of a car, we encourage people through our campaign called Operation Lookout to call 911 and report them as an impaired driver. And the police can go and track down that vehicle and hopefully stop them before they enter themselves or another person on our roads.
1: Great conversation. Thank you, Arrival Live Program Director Michael Stewart and Constable Clint Stippy, Thanks both.
3: Thank you for having me.
0: You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio.